welcome to the second season of the Yamcast, where we help young adults navigate this world and assist anyone in starting a young adult ministry. We do this by going through some books of the Bible that we are currently going through with our own young adult group. I am one of your hosts, Erica Haas. And I'm the other host, Chris Stukenberg. We love to guide this age group through life and their faith. And this season, we're actually going to cover the book of Ruth, uh-huh. and we're super excited about it. So if you'd like to know more, check us out at Instagram at the Yamcast or Facebook at YamcastPod, or you can email us at YamcastPod at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please share with your friends, because we all know that sharing is caring. Subscribe, rate, and review on any of the podcast platforms. Welcome back. Hey, everyone. We are going to be moving on to Discipleship Part 3. You're probably like, really? That is prompt right after Part 2? Yes. We don't usually do things right back to back, but this time we are. Because we are desperate and running out of material. That's not true. I'm he just says kidding. these things. I like saying things just to make uh, Erica mad. I know. I rolled my eyes. You didn't it, see it, but. It works great. I literally saw my brain. No, we got a ton of fun things coming, but we thought we've gone almost a year and we've never talked about our discipleship process that we've all kind of agreed on here yeah. at our church. And so we thought we'd do this. Now, the the one disclaimer that we haven't said yet is I don't want to give the impression that part one, part two, and part three build off of each other. It's more of a, it's it's, it's all one cookie. <laughs> now I'm hungry. Thanks. Or Or the better way to look at it, like I said in the beginning of it is... We are looking at our final product of disciple-making, right? So the, the description of a discipled person, we, we've broken it into six major things that Jesus lives out, but those things can be broken into three categories or three parts. Yeah. And we just thought these made sense as to how we placed them. Totally. But you – and you can't really pick and choose. They are a total package, so. Yeah. As you said, all part of the same cookie. Right. Just like your ideal spouse – all you young adult ministry people, right? The total package. That you, they complete you. We all know you have a list that you're praying through, waiting for that person to come yep. along. Some of you will... They probably uh, won't meet. Some of you will achieve that. A good portion of that some list. Some of you will not. Some of you have very low standards, and you should raise them. <laughs> so really, they're going to meet that list. Some of, some of you have very high standards, and you should lower them. Yeah. The, you know what? Wow. Are we going to move into a relationship podcast right now? Uh, that like wasn't That wasn't the plan. But that was real good. But it probably does work into some of this yes. as we get moving. So the first one was talking about love, right? Love God and love others. The second one was talking about dependence. So we depend on the Holy Spirit. We depend on prayer. Where are we going this week? So this week we're talking about life, basically what your what your life is is looking like. Right. I mean, I don't want it to sound a lot like what, you know, these are the things you're going to show everyone, right. but they're byproducts of what should happen if part one and part two are kind of happening in your life. So not kind of. Yeah. If they are happening in your life, this is what will happen. And we didn't really say that they build, we said that they don't really build on each other, but really if you don't have loving God, you're not going to have any of these other things. Right. If you do, they would be more legalistic and it would be more actually, yeah, what it does look like and just making mm-hmm. that front instead of it actually being an inside out thing, which yeah. is what this is all about. It's a good thought. So it'd be like we'd be a clanging uh, gong or a clanging cymbal. Oh, it's like somebody talked about that. It's almost like love is really important. Yeah. And the way that we learn love is being dependent on the person that's going to teach us what love is. And then when we do those things, 
These things flow out of us. Out pops life babies. <laughs> no. What is that? Too far? <laughs> I was right when you were like out pops. I was like, my face. What? Oh, no. is, where are you going with this? That, that actually life part of, babies? That's part of actually why I kept going okay. with it just to see what your face did. Uh, life babies. It was worth it. So, I would not have said that, but I, so I, I understand the, it. The better way to put it, instead of life babies, the output of our disciple-making lifestyle is these two parts. Mm-hmm. So it's a life that bears fruit and a life that worships, or the way that I like to put it is life as worship. So let's start with life as worship. What you got? So we we often, whenever we're in Christian circles and they're talking about worship, I can almost guarantee all of you that are listening thought of music, right? You thought of the worship leader on stage, because that's what we call them, mm-hmm. and they lead us in music, which we also call just worship. In the worship center. Yes, in the worship center. And so we often just see worship as music. So when we are saying life is worship, you're probably like, am I supposed to be just playing my guitar and singing all day long? No, that is not what we are saying. Right. Because that would be interesting. You'd be like the town troubadour. I'm just thinking of Gilmore Girls. Yeah, I was going to say, you got to be going Gilmore Girls. I am going Gilmore Girls. Uh, But it is truly so much more than that. Worship is, I mean, you know, when we say worship, you know what that is. That is giving adoration to something. That is showing importance to something. I mean, that's really what your life is meant to look like. Well, and the English word worship actually comes from worth-ship. So the idea is someone has glory or some type of weight to them. There's a power about them, right? When, you know, we talk about it as like there's a gravity to that person, right? Or they have gravitas. Mm. We use those kind of phrases sometimes when we're talking about, you know, a, a big star or something else. You know, this person made it an album with with incredible gravitas, right? Or this is meaningful or it's got some kind of weight to it. You know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about? And so the idea there is there's weight given to something which gives it worth, And so if you are giving worth to something, you're saying, this is worth my time. This is worth my energy. Mm, This is worth – it's it's worth the significance I want to give to it. And we all have those things in our life that we don't actually give significance to. And there's some things in our life that people are like, why do you care about that (laughs) so much? That's so true. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if someone comes to me right now, I – just a quick disclaimer. I don't love basketball. Mm -hmm. It's fun to watch a little bit, but I'm not a huge NBA fan. I'm not a huge NCAA fan. So when someone comes to me, they're like, I just love the NBA. My first thought is you are wasting a ton of time. Now, if they turned to me and said, why are you wasting so much time with baseball? I would get offended because that's messed up. It's the best game ever. (laughs) So I I totally get that we put worth in things that sometimes don't mean something to someone else. But the idea of worth-ship or worship is someone that deserves all of our affection, all of our time, all of our adoration. And so worth-ship or worship is living a life that begins to understand that this individual deserves everything we've got. And if only there was an individual in the world that deserved all of our affection, all of our time, all of our energy, wouldn't that be cool? Um, I think we have somebody... Oh my goodness! Or some—I mean, I don't really—it's not really a, a person per se. I mean, it is, but it's not at the same time. Man, let's just say who it is wow. instead of digging ourselves a deeper theological hole. Jesus. <laughs> well, God in well, general. God, but right? yes. But I was doing the very Sunday school answer. Correct. Jesus. And in biblical theology, the very beginning of the story is God created us and gave us worth and power and might. 
uh, he is the one that, that gave us anything that gives us substance. So why wouldn't we give our substance back to him? Mm-hmm. And he gave us a chance to do so in the garden, and we chose to eat the fruit instead of give him the worth he deserves. And then the fight for our heart begins there, and it goes throughout the rest of Scripture. And so when you're saying, you know, everything that we should be doing, it should be a lifestyle. It should be something, right? Mm-hmm. We, we should be aiming ourselves toward worthship. We should be trying to give someone something, and that someone is God. Mm-hmm. And we do an awesome job of it. We're so good at it. Said no one ever. Well, yeah. said people, but. <laughs> yeah, that's also true. People definitely think that they're doing a great job. I'd like to thank God for giving me this award. That's one instance of probably (laughs) not. Because, yeah, I mean, last week we talked about dependence as being, I mean, it is a lifestyle of -hmm. of being dependent constantly, like having the Holy Spirit guide you, having prayer. But this, this is actually where, I mean, it. It's almost more than that. It's it's really encompassing every single thing that we're doing right. and that it should all point back to God. Well, and let me paint that picture in a really easy way. Imagine if in the garden, Adam and Eve have their first opportunity to give worship to God, right? The serpent whispers a lie, twists God's word, and Adam and Eve have an opportunity there to worship. Can you imagine if Adam and Eve had pulled out a guitar and just sung a song? <laughs> <laughs> the serpent says, I want you to eat this fruit. It's not really going to do what God said it's going to do. And they're like, oh, really? So well, we just made a song about that. Reckless love. Bring it. You know, like <laughs> what if, you know, what if they pull out a harp and they start playing and you're like, I think we would all look around like that crazy like, sock you? puppet, monkey puppet mm-hmm. meme, you know, where the monkey's looking down and then looking up like what What's is going, going on? on? Yeah. We, if we used worship and it's narrow definition that we use it in our culture, uh, that would have made no sense then. But for Adam and Eve to worship in that moment truly would have been to say, no, I trust the words of God and I'm going to obey them. So often when I teach life of wor- as worship, what I often look at it as is obedience. And so that obedience plays itself out in a lot of different ways. We sing songs because the Bible tells us to sing a new song to the Lord, right? We study scripture because the Bible tells us to study scripture. We pray because the Bible tells us to pray. We trust the words of God. And so what God is saying in his word, we then follow. And so worship becomes obedience. It becomes this idea that my life is a sacrifice for him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay myself on the altar and let him change me and mold me and do whatever he wants to do with me. And then I'm going to use that to serve him. So it might mean going into ministry. Mm-hmm. It also might be just making widgets your entire life with a positive attitude and saying, I'm glorifying God by taking this thing here and flipping it over on the assembly line for my entire life. And some would say, you've wasted your life. But no, if God called you and to do that to and you're doing it, you're worshiping him. And that's usually a mind-bending moment for most folks because they think of worship as, well, I'm never going to be a worship leader. I don't have to play guitar. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's not worship. Like, that's a piece of it. But that's yeah, not the whole yeah. – it's not all-encompassing. Yeah, and just going back to what you're saying when you're saying because the Bible says this, we do this. Because the Bible says this, we do this. And, be, and we trust the words, so then we do them. And, I mean, it just reminds me it goes all the way back to our part one where we trust those things because we love him, right? We trust those things because we already have that foundation of love, gratitude, whatever it is. Because without that, then it just becomes, oh, well, it just tells me to. So, right, you know, legalism – I'm just going to do it. But it's, I mean, they do. They all kind of, yeah, they all go together. And there are times when I don't necessarily feel like doing those things, but then I'm reminded, well, 
I owe him everything, so right. I am going to trust. And he does those things, so then I can trust what he says, you know? Right. It's supposed to be a way of expressing our love for God and yeah. his word. It's it's really our, our outpouring of that idea. And the, the beautiful thing about the life of worship is, or life as worship, part of it also is admitting that we aren't getting it right. So when Isaiah sees God face to face, and he goes, whoa, am I? I, I I'm a man of unclean lips. Isaiah might not have ever said a naughty word in his entire life, but Isaiah knew because he was a priest. Yes, he yeah. grew up in Jerusalem. There's a good chance that Isaiah never once uttered something that was actually unclean, but he knows. I know that I had to have said something wrong at some point because I'm so in, in awe of you. Mm-hmm. So worship is sometimes even admitting the fact that I'm not who you want me to be. And so sometimes worship plays itself out in humility and yes. in sacrifice and in repentance. And so even if you're thinking right now and you're hearing life as worship means obedience, you're like, I am not worshiping at all. Well, let that be a moment where you maybe repent and you turn around. But also understand that your repentance moments is also worship. Yes, yeah. your, your understanding that you aren't good enough is part of what being human is. And we're supposed to look at God and go, all right, I'm still not worshiping you the way I should be. And so this, there's this continual thing for us that life as worship is playing that out. As opposed to showing up on a Sunday morning and I've got an hour where I'm going to worship God. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever mm-hmm. heard. Uh, worship is a piece of that. And our, our worship on a Sunday morning is the overflow of what's happening all week long with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's just so funny how, yeah, when even being brought up, you just see it as these – you see it. It's just so much more full. It's not as small as we've always pegged it to be. Yeah, It's so much, much – deeper. And so when I was thinking about these things, I was just reminded of a few verses. Um, I had a typo on one of them. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Instead of doing, I wrote dong. (laughs) That's not good. (laughs) That's that's not good at all. That's not good at all. I feel like that was actually copy and pasted, but I'm guessing not. Anyways. (laughs) I can guarantee I am guessing not. So I'm, I was reminded in, in Colossians, I was specifically reminded of 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And that just that just reminds me of, yeah, my day-to-day, my job, right? Mm-hmm. Like anything that I am doing, it should be for him, giving, giving him glory, not myself, or right. even just to please the people around me, right. you know? Right. So. Which could be your apartment, cleaning your apartment. Yeah. It could be doing your homework. It could be going to class. It could be choosing to wake up and actually keep a schedule as opposed to being a college student that doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Sorry to that. Touched on a nerve or two out there. Sorry, kids. And then just a few verses before that, Paul also says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Which takes it, a step further, like inward or deed, yeah. whatever you're supposed to be doing. And I think when you think about, oh, that's supposed to be done in his name, then am I going to say that? Am I going to do that? Like, would I if it were had that weight attached to it, you know? Yeah, which actually we'll probably do a podcast on this at some point. But even the idea of um, using the Lord's name in vain is not necessarily how we usually think about it. It's not necessarily about us saying his name in an inappropriate way. It's more about claiming to be a Christian and not actually living it out. Mm. So one might say being a hypocrite, right? Uh, 
but that'll be a whole other podcast down the road that mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll cover at some point due to some really good scholarship that's been done recently by Carmen Iams and others. But, but the idea there is, yes, our words and our deeds match up to what would honor the Lord Jesus Christ. And what Paul has done in the first two chapters of Colossians is build for us this amazing idea of Jesus is all of these amazing things. Therefore, we live this way, not not because we're trying to save ourselves, mm-hmm. but we we understand what Christ has done, and therefore we turn ourselves to him and we let him change us. And as he changes us, now whatever we do in word and deed, we do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is a really crazy idea. And it sounds like, well, that's awesome. I love the New Testament. That was true in the Old Testament. Yeah. I mean, the Ten Commandments were given because God had just saved them. He's like, I love you. I'm with you. This is We're in this to the end. This is what you would do to look like you want to look like. Mm-hmm. I I love you so much. I'm going to show you what it looks like to be like me. And then we're like, nope, we're good. I don't want any rules. He's like, well, I'm not giving you rules. I'm giving you my nature. I'm showing you what it looks like. Yeah. There's no other gods before me, so don't have any other gods before you. You know, but I bear my name, and I, when I say I'm Yahweh, there's no one questioning it. So then when you bear my name, people shouldn't question it. Mm. And you go down the list of all the Ten Commandments and everyone's like, I don't like rules. It's not about rules. It's about do you understand the nature of God? And if you do, then you're going to live it out in a different way. Yeah. And we just miss it. It Well, because even from the very beginning, you know, people will be like, well, if he was given everything in the garden, why do there have to be this one? Like we just, yep. we want to rebel, you know? Yeah, and whenever people are like, then why did God give us so much power? That is the, the question none of us have an answer for. No. Why does he love us so much that he actually gives us some type of authority? I don't know. Yeah. We don't deserve it, but it just shows that God is looking for something in us that we don't understand. So then we should bow before him in, in mercy. And I mean, as we, we've talked about with being a disciple previously, we, kind of, we have said that you're a disciple of something, mm-hmm. right? You're a, learning of some, a learner of something. And it's the same thing with life as worship. Like you are worshiping something. Yeah. So it's really interesting to to look at your life and see well, what are you spending your time on? What are you spending your time doing, thinking about, striving right. for? And, and those are the things then that you essentially are worshiping. Right. So if we're asking and saying that if you're a follower and trying to be a disciple of Jesus, then this is who you should be worshiping. Like does looking over your life, does that match up right. to what you are saying that you are. Right. Because, yes, you are worshiping, as we said, you're a disciple of something, you're also worshiping something. Right. So, always. That's good. So, what's the other life? So, another output uh, of all of these things that we've talked about, if you're following um, if you're following God, not even following God, if you're, you're bearing fruit in some way, so that's our next one, is bearing fruit. Something is coming out of you, right? right? And so... We have been given, I mean, hello, um, you know, we all learned the Fruit of the Spirit song back in the day. I don't know that we all learned the Fruit of the Spirit okay. song. I mean, I, I mean, we also just did it with chapel with my kids this last year, so we have a oh, few really? of them. Yeah. But, I mean, I can't think of them on the fly, but <laughs> Fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Something. Oh my gosh, I just lost it. But anyways, that's the that's the start. So here's what they are: love, joy. Peace. I know what they are, but I was just trying to do it in my song. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I do never, you, I never, you know? I never learned that song. Really? But I also grew up 
in a Catholic tradition and then moved from that into a small evangelical church in the country. So I, there's a chance that I would have never heard most of these things. In fact, a lot of people who grew up in church, they say things to me like, yeah, you know it. I'm like, no, oh. I don't. And then they're like, oh, I thought you were a pastor. I'm like, oh, I am. And I'm actually grateful that I don't know all the things that you all know because mm-hmm. the Almond brothers aren't as great as you. No, I'm just kidding. Not the, I don't even know who that is. The Stellars. I'm just kidding. Um, Anyways, I just thought of it in my head, but I just missed a, I just missed a couple. Okay? Let's go through them. Love, okay. joy, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is the fruit of the Spirit. Now, when I teach a life that bears fruit, I like to start with John 15. So Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. With me, you will bear much fruit. Without me, you will bear no fruit, but with me... You will bear much fruit, much, much fruit even to the, the idea that if you are plugged into me, if you understand what it looks like to be with me, you will bear much fruit. And then the question becomes, well, what kind of fruit are you going to bear? Mm-hmm. And when we talk about life that bears fruit, I really see it as two different uh, branches, so to speak, that are growing off of us. But even that's not really a, a healthy way of looking at it. So let me kind of break it down and then we'll rip it apart. I think that if we're going to bear fruit as disciples, one part of that is evangelistic fruit. We're going to share the gospel. People are going to know Jesus because of us. Some people are going to come to Christ, and so there's a chance that you're going to bear some fruit that involves evangelistic fruit. The other side of the equation is this fruit of the Spirit. And in just in giving our lives to Christ, we are given the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit who now lives inside of us is going to begin to grow in us, and he's going to change us from the inside out. So you should be more loving today than you were when you first started following Jesus. You should be more joyful today than you were when you first started following Jesus. Patient, you know, all the way down the list. All of those things, you know, should be more peaceful, more self-controlled, more gentle, more kind. All of these beautiful things that God says, this is who I am, should be growing out of us. And there's going to be moments where we totally fail and we go, that was the least patient thing I could have done. Mm -hmm. What am I doing? But then we repent and we turn around and we go back. But the idea is so that there's there's really multiple types of fruit growing in us. We are sharing the gospel, which means we are sowing seed, and eventually, you know, fruit is growing from that. We have people that in our lives that are growing and developing their faith because of that. So we call that discipleship or evangelistic fruit. The other side of it is that in our own internal life, we are actually growing in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Mm-hmm. And as a Christian, we know whether someone's following Jesus or not, based on the type of fruit that they have. And that's the passage you chose to start us off with. Yeah, so I was looking in in Matthew 7, verse 15. So he talks about, he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but... The diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. You will know that a Christian is a Christian based on whether their fruit is godly or not. So it's not our job to sit around and be judgmental. That's not what this passage is telling us. But you and I both know people who are following Jesus in air quotes Mm -hmm. who don't necessarily bear the fruit that we're talking about, right? And especially in this weird year that we've got going on and all the weird election craziness that's going on, there's a lot of things that are being said by people 
all over the map that make us question whether their fruit is legit. Yeah. I'm not – we're not asking you or advocating for you to go down that road right now. But w- when you get close to someone, you get to know whether their fruit is legit or whether it's not, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just discipling someone or if someone's discipling you, you're going to see things in them and go, oh, man, look at this. You know, I've had kids come with me on a missions trip and they go, man, you're so patient. Why are you so patient with us? We've pushed every button we possibly could push on you and you're not blowing up. And I'm like, well, that's that's actually just – that's all the Holy Spirit, man. I'm so glad that the Holy Spirit has changed that part of my heart and I'm mm-hmm. not who I used to be. Uh, praise the Lord. And then they're like, but I hang out with this person and they're not patient at all, but they claim to be a Christian. I'm like, well, then God hasn't fully grown that fruit in them yet. Now, part of that might be because this person's not letting God grow the fruit of patience Mm -hmm. in them. But the truth is, all of us are different points in our journey. I'm not telling you to throw somebody under the bus because their fruit looks kind of, you know, cruddy right now. But the truth is, you just kind of know a Christian versus a non-Christian just by hanging out with them. And I mean that even within the church. There's going to be people who, you know, yell, scream, and go crazy after a service. And you're like, that person's very, very angry. They're an angry elf. They're an angry elf. Right? It must be a South Pole. Yeah, they're a South Pole. And everyone freaks out a little bit. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, their fruit is not bearing – they're not bearing the type of fruit you, you're looking for mm-hmm. in a disciple. And that's that's a lot of where you also then need to show those fruits to them too. You still need to be patient with them. You still need to show kindness to them. You still need to be loving towards them, be giving them grace be showing self-control. I mean, sometimes that is modeling that fruit for someone else as well. Right. And not just writing them off as like, well, they're not a Christian or they're they're a hope a lost cause or they're hopeless or whatever it might be. Like then that means you're also not allowing God to grow those certain fruits in you either if you're going to make those statements about others. Right. And you're always going to be like, oh, I thought they were further along than that. Oh, how, that's such a common how phrase. How dare you be so oh. preppy? And hoity, Which I know I've hoity, probably said it too, but hoity, it's just so funny. It. Because the truth is people come up to me sometimes after a sermon or after something else, they'll say, that was just so helpful. And I'm always like, I'll let you down someday. Just give me give me time to mm-hmm. totally, like, you're going to find me in a moment where you just don't like who I am. Or I'm going to say something that's going to offend you at some point. I, I'm not here to make you happy. So I'm glad that you liked what you heard today. That's not really what I'm aiming for. But I do want to be the type of person that the more time you spend with me, you're like, man, there's, there's just fruit growing in that guy. You know, mm-hmm. Christ is doing something in his life. He's not who he used to be. And I and I have people tell me that all the time, which I think is great, but it doesn't mean I'm perfect. And it means I'm going to blow it at some point and someone's going to be really disappointed with me. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's more often than not my wife and then my children right after that, you know? Well, I mean, that is who sees every single aspect of you. Yes. Like they're going to see the good, the bad, and the ugly. So. Right. Yeah. Which really quick, and I'll say this just for the the young guys that are listening to this podcast, if there are any, uh, you are going to fight this mentality your whole life that you're a man and that you're supposed to act a certain way and be a certain thing. The most helpful thing that I should have learned from other men in my life, and a couple of them modeled this for me, but the most helpful thing that I've given to my children is being a dad who, when I make a mistake, I actually apologize to my children and remind them that that's not how Christ wants you to live. I wish more of us got that. And mm-hmm. so if you're a college student right now, I would love for you to start to process what bearing fruit looks like in your own life, that you would be humble enough to admit, yeah, that was an angry outburst. I shouldn't have said it that way. Or, yeah, that was, I missed it. Sorry. you know. Or 
I totally jumped to conclusions and I disciplined you and I shouldn't have disciplined you in this way based on what I thought I saw. I should have given you a chance to explain yourself. I am so sorry. And I have found that my children and my relationship has actually grown and developed closer and closer because I'm willing to go in their room later and say, listen, that wasn't the best from either one of us. Let's talk about what just happened. I'm sorry. You know, and then they usually apologize and we figure it out together. But that's what we should be modeling. That's the fruit we're trying to bear. That's what you're looking for is when, when Christ is changing you from the inside out, it means that you're willing to admit I'm not perfect all the time. In mm-hmm. fact, I messed a lot of things up and I got to figure this out. But if more dads apologize to their kids and show them what Christ, what it looks like to follow Christ, which means Jesus is perfect, I'm not perfect, so I'm going to come to you and admit that I'm not, I think we'd be in a better world, right? Humility is never a bad place to be. No. Nobody ever said stop being so humble and actually meant it. They might sarcastically say that, but right. Yeah, you're never going to go wrong. I think I saw somebody post that recently. Like, you're never going to go wrong with being humble or with humility or whatever. There's something to that effect. And I thought that was very true. Which is almost like Jesus models that. Oh, wait. Wow, full circle again. Yes, he does. Circles. He's pretty cool. You should probably do what Jesus does. Yeah, a nice little study on him to see. So then you can actually model it like you're supposed to. Yep. Yeah. All righty. So there's life as worship, a life that bears fruit. Now, we will pull pieces of this out a lot over the the upcoming months. We believe we're going to dive into a New Testament book. And when we do so, trust me, we're gonna you're going to hear this wording from us. And part of the reason why we wanted to pull it out now was you also should have seen this in Judges and in Ruth, portions of it. And we just kind of realized we've never laid this part out. So mm-hmm. we wanted to do this at this point just to give you a chance to kind of catch up with us. And then dive into the rest. Well, and it's also just really helpful because if you are either discipling people or choosing to be a disciple, either it kind of does feel like you don't know what that actually means. And so having some actual framework descriptions really helps. So maybe we should – let's recap them. So we have love God, his word, and love others. Yep. We have dependence on prayer, dependence on the Holy Spirit. We have life as worship, and we have bearing fruit. Yep. So. And all six of those yeah. things are things that model, that are modeled by Jesus. So as we follow him, we see these things in his ministry. You know, I've done it a few times with people where we walk through the Gospels, and I have them highlight all the times that one of these six shows up. And you would be amazed at some of the pages that are just covered in all six colors. Mm-hmm. Even a little tiny story where Jesus is modeling Loving God and his word, loving others, dependence on prayer, dependence on the spirit. He, his life is bearing fruit and he's just worshiping, you know, and, and everything he it's does. Crazy. It's It's really, really cool. So when you start to see that, then you go, man, this is amazing. I can't believe this is so great. And to, to close, this is at least the last thought I'm going to share is what you just said. We should be discipled by someone and we should be discipling someone. Mm-hmm. One of my helpful friends at college years ago said, if you imagine the spectrum of Christianity as like a, a to Z, you should be somewhere on that spectrum. Let's say you're at a D, you know, you're you're growing in your faith and you're you're like, I'm still a baby, but I'm a little more mature than I used to be. You should be discipling someone who's a C or below. Mm-hmm. You should have a brand new friend who's coming to Christ and showing them what it looks like to follow Jesus. At the same time, you should have an E and F and or J, you know, yanking you along and showing you what it looks like. If you don't have that, 
You can find it. If you don't have that, you're acting like a normal American Christian. Mm-hmm. The downside is we don't want to be a normal American Christians. We want to be people who are actually following Jesus and, and choosing to live the way that we're supposed to live. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. If you, once again, have any thoughts on our thoughts, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. We have our email, yamcastpod at gmail.com, or you can find us on the socials at the yamcast. So reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Peace. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Yamcast. You can check us out at yamcast.podbean.com or on any other podcasting apps like iTunes. We would love it if you'd leave us a review that is any number between four and a half and five stars. If you have any questions that you'd like us to answer here on the podcast, you can email us at yamcastpod at gmail.com. That is yamcastpod at gmail.com. If you'd like more information about us, you can check us out at parkhillschurch.com or on the app store with the Park Hills Church app. We are also on Instagram, so give us a follow at The Yamcast. <laughs>